This episode is proudly brought to you by Ringers Western, an Australian brand merging the country and city through the style, quality and comfort of their clothing and boots. Ringers Western, sticking together. I'm Caitlin Hewitt. This is From the Saddle. We meet some incredible people on this podcast, but my next guest just blows me away with her strength and persistence. Chrissy Banks was a champion jockey, winning more than 100 races from 800 starts. But on New Year's Eve 2011, her career came to a shattering halt. Leaving her paralysed from the waist down, she was thrown from her horse at a race meeting in Toowoomba. Her injuries were catastrophic. A broken back, four broken ribs and a punctured lung. But that's not the end of Christy's story. Far from it. From the saddle. From the saddle. Christy, thanks for joining me. You've been around horses a lot as a kid with a trainer, as a dad. Did you always love them or did he have a big influence on this? Yeah, oh, I mean, I was following Dad around, you know, since I'd walk, um, escaping the house and going to the stables where Dad was with, with nappies on. So, um, yeah, horses have been a big obsession of mine my whole life. And, um, yeah, I sort of followed Dad Dad around and he, he sort of taught me to ride and, yeah, sort of went from there. Where was home? Um, yeah, well, we, we grew up in Toowoomba. Um, you know, Dad was a uh, he was a jockey first, um, and then he um, sort of uh, probably you know weight weight troubles and that he um, you know rode for about twenty years and then and gave it up and took up training and yeah so we've been I'm sort of middle of five kids so you know we all grew up um, at the races and yeah following Dad around and yeah did your siblings carry on with the love of horses like you or did they kind of find their own path. We all sort of, um, well, I um, was probably the first one to get into horses and uh, Dad, um, you know, I said I was begging him to go to pony club, so he got me into pony club and then when the other brothers and sisters seen me there, they wanted to, you know, join and get horses and that. So, um, yeah, we all went to pony club growing up, um, you know. We loved our sporting and um, state championship and that was our holidays. Um, we'd travel all around, you know, Queensland and New South Wales going to state championships. So, yeah, they all um, rode and uh, we, you know, we just loved it. That was our life. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So, Christy, you were a successful jockey for 16 years. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, I, I um, left school, I think, when I was 14, I... Knew I was that's you know I knew I wanted to be a jockey and uh, Dad moved out to Clifton so I just thought oh, I don't really feel like starting a high school at four, you know a new high school at fourteen so I left and um, yeah sort of started riding track work out there and uh, got my uh, apprenticeship when I was fifteen and rode for uh, fifteen years until I had a formal uh, New Year's Eve two thousand eleven. Um, which sort of ended my riding career. I, I was a, left a paraplegic uh, T11, T12. Yeah. Let's touch on that. Um, so New Year's Eve 2011, Clifton Park at Toowoomba, the night of your accident. What do you remember? Yeah, well, I was uh, fully conscious. Um, I didn't have, luckily didn't have any head injuries or anything. I uh, dropped 
jumped out in the first race from the outside uh, outside barrier. Um, was only about a, uh, 150 metres after the start. I was kind of looking to to take up position, move in, and um, yeah, a little bit of probably a little bit of movement kind of inside and a little bit you know movement outside, and uh, I clipped the heels of the horse in front of me and yeah uh, fell to the ground and. Um, fully conscious, just laying there. Um, the paramedics sort of, you know, attended me straight away, and and I said to them, "I I can't feel my legs. I can't move them. You know, I said I think I'm stuffed. You know, and um, yeah, they, you know, they were really good. They said, "Oh, you know, you don't know. It could be just, you know, your spine's in shock. But you know, we'll get you to the hospital." And um, got to the hospital, and um, like I got some scans and it done and. Basically, the doctors told me that, you know, I'll never walk again. Um, they sort of knew straight away, um, yeah, the spinal cord was cut off and, yeah, that was that was basically my outcome. They didn't sugarcoat it and, yeah, um, that, was, that was basically it, you know. So, Christy, laying in that hospital bed, who, who was around you at this time? What... Like, it's a significant moment in life. I'm sure that when you think about it, you can almost smell everything that surrounded you and, and feel what you felt at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, my mum and dad, like, my dad must have thought it was pretty bad because he, you know, he come into the hospital and um, my husband, Dale, and, you know, they, like, sort of come in and I said to Dale, I said, they said, I'll never walk again, you know, and... And I think, you know, it was a big shock, you know, big shock. Yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to process, you know. Um, yeah, they just, it was it was devastating. Um, uh, they flew me down to Brisbane that night. Uh, I had surgery on my back. And, yeah, the, the, the outcome wasn't, you know, it wasn't any different because the spinal cord was um, sort of severed and cut off. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, Days after the nurses said, you just, you know, you don't know what can come back. Um, so there was a little bit of positivity there. Um, you know, I held on to that. But, um, you know, speaking more with the doctors and, yeah, they they didn't really, you know, sugarcoat it or anything. They just said, yeah, no, you just fine. I called the seven. So um, there's little to no chance of you walking again, you know. So, yeah, that was that was the outcome. <laughs> Do you think that was a good thing that they didn't sugarcoat it? Like, do you think it was better that they gave you the hard and sharp news so you adjusted to that and then whatever came back was a bonus? Yeah, I think that's what they do in a lot of the cases. Even when, um, like, your spinal cord is damaged, um, they'll give you a prognosis if you're probably not going to walk. But, you know... You never know what's going to come back, but uh, I think when a spinal cord is severed so badly, yeah, they don't they don't get sugarcoat it because you know it's like cutting like pulling a plug out of the electricity wall. I suppose it, there was just you know there's no connection, and yeah, that's that's just the outcome they give you. And you know there were people ringing my mum and telling her you know tell her not to you know be positive and. Mum was then, you know, telling me, oh, you got to be positive and that. And, you know, a few days after, I said, you know, mum, the, the doctor said, like, I'm not going to walk again. So, you know, I, I think I've got to accept that, you know. And then, you know, she accepted that then, you know. So did you get to a point where you thought, if one more person tells me to be positive, I'm going to lose 
my shit. I'm the one that's laying in the hospital bed with this outcome. I need to now focus on the worst possibility and this is what it now looks like for me. Yeah, oh, you know, definitely. I think, um, you know, I, I I really, you know, you have to accept it pretty fast. Um, and, I mean, I suppose there's a few people that, you know, can't, you know, sort of ascertain that they're not going to walk again. But I, I don't know, when you're in that situation, like, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So, yeah, I think the best possible outcome is, you know, to try and um, to accept it. Um, it's it's not a good thing, but, you know, it's there's there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, I think that I was, wasn't really in, in the ICU very long, about three or four days. I did have a punctured lung and a broken rib, but that sort of wasn't, yeah, that was nothing really. Um, and, yeah, so... The first time I got out of the bed and into a wheelchair, like it was a kind of, it was only like a week after my accident, I was, you know, put into a wheelchair and, you know, rolled around and that. And and that was like, oh, well, at least I'm out of bed, you know. So, mm. yeah, it, there was sort of little mementos that I, you know, held on to. And uh, I was put into the spinal unit then, I think about, uh, yeah, it would have been not long after, you know, seven days after. Um, my accident and um, I was put in the acute ward because I got there on the weekend and um, that's where like the quadriplegics are and that. Yeah, it was a really wake up call to, you know, I, you know, had my arms and I was able to, you know, move around by myself and, you know, these other people, you know, they, they just had to lay there, you know, they had no, you know, no function of their arms and had to breathe with the trachea. So, you know, I, yeah. I kind of, um, was feeling pretty grateful being in the acute ward, you know, that I had my arms and I was, you know, yeah, that's that's sort of sort of where it was at, you know. Absolutely. You, like you said, it would have been a wake-up call and looking around you and, and everyone would have had a story in there and, you know, as humans we compare, we, we sort of go, you know, well, that's that's what they're facing and this is what I'm facing and it's it's I guess what we do as humans to to get us through the next day in a situation like that I suppose mm. we mm. put ourselves in other people's shoes and go well it could be worse it really could be worse yeah um, yeah yep. did you did you make any I guess friends or connections and you know did you did you form any mateships with people during that time in that ward yeah, well, um, you know, it was only a couple of weeks after I got hurt and mum and dad come down and seen me and um, dad had to go out to the car to listen to a horse race and um, uh, <laughs> gave him the keys and he was, you know, fiddling with the keys and couldn't open the door. Anyway, this young fella drives in, um, you know, pulls his wheelchair out, gets in like, you know, he'd, he'd probably done it a hundred times and yeah. he said to dad, oh, are you right, mate? And anyway, he unlocked the car for dad, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and dad said, oh, thanks, mate, you know. And then he said, oh, listen, dad said, you wouldn't be able to come and have a chat to my daughter. Um, you know, she's just, you know, been, been in a wheelchair. And anyway, this young fellow, his name was Jimmy Hammond, he, um, he, you know, he called in and um, talked to us and we sat there and talked for a couple of hours, you know, and he sort of gave my mum and dad and, you know, everyone around us, oh, I hope there is life after a wheelchair, you know, because things yeah. were looking pretty grim and dim, you know, but he was, you know, telling us how he water skis and, you know, you know, just does everything independently. So that was like a really turning point for our family and, yeah, you know, it was, it was just, you know, something that we really needed, you know, so... 
yeah, it was um, really good. And I guess, Christy, life before that, you know, everyone around you, no one could probably really relate to what you guys were going through, you personally and as a family. And when your dad met Jimmy and, and he came in, it yeah, like you, you guys had someone that could relate to what you were feeling and what you were going through. Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, Jimmy was telling us how, like, oh, you, you know, you got nothing wrong with you. Like he, like he was in a coma, and you know, he was. I think he was a little bit higher level than me. And he goes, oh, you're going to be fine, you know. And it just, it did really, um, you know, lift our spirits. And yeah, it was, um, it was, it was really, really needed it. And you know, he come at the right time. So. Um, yeah, after that, like, you know, yeah, I sort of got into my rehab. Um, I was only in there a short stay, like six weeks and, um, basically to learn how to live, you know, in a, in a wheelchair and, um, learn what you got to do and all the other complications that come with it. But, um, once I did that, yeah, I sort of couldn't wait to get home and get home to my dogs and, yeah, so it was, um, it was good to, you know, only be in there a short stay and, um, get home, Yeah. So, Christy, life after hospital, let's not dwell on, you know, life in hospital. Let's let's look at life after hospital. It was it was gonna look very different. You got back on pretty quickly. You tried riding with the disabled, didn't you? Yeah. Um I got with a you know, with a few of the um OTs and they asked what would I like to do and you know, I really didn't want to get back on a horse and um anyway they arranged me to get back on with the riding for the disabled uh, in Brisbane, and um, yeah, I went there and, and hopped on, you know, a really quiet horse. I had a person either side of me, and yeah, it was it was wasn't the best of um, you know experiences. You know, being I was you know a jockey beforehand, mm. and you know was so you know it it was something. I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to want to you know ride again after it, and um, so you know I went home and um, you know basically just um, got used to everything, um, you know, living life in a wheelchair. And um, then I, my, one of my friends, it was only, you know, about four or five months after my accident, she said, I'll oh, check out a, a girl on um, YouTube, her name's Amberly Snyder. Uh, she, you know, bow raced with a seatbelt. And I was like, oh, so I, you know, checked her out and my eyes popped and <laughs> I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is amazing. I'm this is what I'm going to do, you know. I'm going to put a seatbelt on my on a saddle, and I'm going to barrel race. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I did. I think you know, within days, I was organising a saddle and getting a saddle made. So yeah. So I guess when you go from doing everything yourself, riding horses, waking up every day, walking out of bed. You know, that that was the life you knew beforehand. Then that changed pretty much within a matter of moments and overnight. You essentially lost your freedom and the ability to do everything yourself. And I, I think that would be confronting when you go home and you're establishing the new normal and what that looks like. And like you said, riding with disabled and you had two people assisting you and that was confronting because you went from this very capable, confident rider to having to be able to be assisted. And it would have knocked your confidence. It, it would have put you in your shell to a degree. And I think that that's a big thing to overcome. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I still ponder and, and that to this day, you know, I've not been able to just get on and go for a ride, you know, on any horse I want to, you know. Um, but, yeah, um, it is. It, it's um, it, it, Your independence is everything, you know, and um, I've got that to some degree, but, you know, I do have boundaries as well, you know, so, yeah. Did you ever feel like I can't do this? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I mean, I think everyone has bad days, but you know, I've definitely, you know, <laughs> wallowed in my sorrows, and um, you know, uh, I've I've got a I've got a lot of um, you know Facebook um, people I follow that you know are just champions and um, you know quadriplegics that go out and you know have foundations for cures for for the spinal cord and that, and uh, you know, I just think they're champions, and you know, when I you have to you know, try and look at them and think, oh, you know, they're working their hardest to, you know, find a cure for a spinal cord. So, you know, I just find them so inspiring. And, and you know, I try and look at them when I'm having a bad day, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I could be a lot worse, you know. But it's sort of the attitude I've tried to carry through, you know, through this um, injury, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. So I guess that helped you get through it mentally is looking – to others and to see how how they were dealing with their circumstances and and what they were doing to overcome difficulties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I found um, like Google a, a big help as well. Like I wasn't really given an option to you know walk with leg braces in hospital, and and then when I you know got out and done a few searches and that, I seen that like people were actually walking with a frame and. You know, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll be doing that as well. You know, so yeah. um, I got some leg braces made, and um, you know, I walk, try and walk every day, just in my parallel bars, or you know, around the house, you know, for about half an hour, just to put weight through my legs and that. So, you know, it's just it's been so you know handy, you know, seeing what other people do. You know, from the saddle, from the saddle. Here at from the saddle, we love movers and shakers, especially when they're from rural Australia. Picture this, a few ringers sitting around a campfire in the Kimberley after a hard day in the yards, frustrated by a lack of durability and quality in their clothing. Determined to do something about it, they decided to fix the problem themselves. From back then in 2012 to today, the Ringers Western Range has expanded to meet every dress need from dusty cattle yards to corporate boardrooms and everything in between. Ringers Western, sticking together. From the saddle. From the saddle. What does a day for Christy Banks look like? Yeah, well, I get up about um, oh, six, six, six thirty, and um, I'll make my son's like my son's lunch. Um, I was lucky enough to fall pregnant, um, you know, twelve months after my accident, and had a beautiful baby boy, and. Um, so he's seven now, but yeah, I make his lunch at school. Then I've got to go out and um, feed my horses and water them up, and yeah, then I go and take him to school. I'll come home, um, you know, I'll either ride my horse or you know try and walk with my leg braces, and and yeah, and then I try to have a little rest during the day, and yeah, um, always busy trying to yeah get things done. So yeah, you say you know you go out feed the horses. Do you have ways to do that that make it easy? Have you created ways? Have you built things? Or like are there processes you take to make it all 
I guess, easier for you to do? Yeah, well, I've got um, a four-wheel drive um, X8 wheelchair. So, yeah, it's just basically a wheelchair, a power wheelchair um, that's four-wheel drive. So it can, you know, basically go anywhere. Um, and it's it's been a, a lifesaver. Um, like, I can go and feed my horses and, and do everything myself. Um, you know, horses, they're used to the wheelchair. Um, you know, I, I catch them, I lead them, I'll saddle my son's horse up, I'll put him on his horse. So I can basically, you know, do everything around the house and, and around the farm. So it's, yeah, it's been a heaven sent because um, I'd probably be housebound if I didn't have that um, four-wheel drive wheelchair. Um, so that allows me to, to get out and do everything on, on, our, on our property. So, yeah. When you came home and you came back in contact with your horses, did they know it was you, obviously, or did they take a bit to get used to the new Christie? Yeah, well, um, I I had a, a great thoroughbred that I was doing a little bit of pony club and racing on when I got time, um, uh, you know. And uh, he he was pretty good. He, um, you know, I was able to ride him afterwards, and he was probably not the easiest horse to ride. So I I was sort of on the lookout for a you know a pattern barrel horse where I could kind of just hold on and, and he could just, you know, they can just do it for me. And I was lucky enough to find one. Um, I bought her for a lady named Kyla McLaughlin. Um, yeah, she, I told her my circumstances and, you know, I thought, you know, for sure she'd say, oh, you know, you're crazy. I, I don't have anything that'll that'll suit you. But she said, oh, I actually do have a horse that might suit you. And anyway, we went up to Rocky and then uh, drove to Dingo to, to look at him and he's, been my my hard horse um, ever since you know my accident. He's he's just amazing. His name's Bob, and yeah, just yeah, he's just amazing. <laughs> they are amazing creatures. They just know. Yeah, like uh, my husband's got thoroughbreds, and I'm wheeling around, and they just get used to it. You know, um, they are they're that are amazing animal. Um, they're kind of my therapy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you first got back on, you had a new saddle. Can you describe your new saddle for me? Yep, it's um I got um I got a, like a barrel racing saddle made, and um, Eddie Powell he was kind of like the you know the top sort of saddle maker um, around, and um, he made me a, a a saddle and just um, I got a car seat belt, and um, yeah, sewed it into the the back of the saddle. So yeah, that sort of clips up in, in front of me and, um, yeah, off I go. Um, got a couple of straps around my knees and, um, yeah, that's a bit, that's basically it. So it's, um, there's not much to it. It's just a seatbelt um, either side of the saddle. So, yeah. Before your accident, when you were on a horseback, we, your, I guess, limit, you know, we all, we all have a limit where we think, well, you know, not safe or too fast or, or whatever it may be. Has that limit changed? Do you find that you kind of pull up or are aware of your limit more so now? Yeah, I I guess I am. Like when I first started, I had in my mind I was going to go out and be, you know, fly, you know. But when I got on, it was a bit of a different story. You know, I had to get basically used to ride, like had to learn to ride again. And, um, yeah, so... uh, 
I I kind of had in my mind I was just going to go and, and kill it, but it, it sort of didn't happen that way for quite a while. Um, Bob, uh, like, he come back to my level and, you know, we sort of, yeah, just uh, I barrel raced on him um, like I do the, the divisional barrel racing. So we were, you know, in the four division for, you know, a couple of years, you know, we worked our way up. And, um, yeah, so now we're kind of consistently, you know, running the 1D and, you know, he's just, he's just amazing. <laughs> he, um, oh, we won three QBRA 1D titles. So, you know, I pinch myself to think that, you know, from getting on and, and first riding, and I'm thinking, oh, well, I think I've just got to be lucky I'm doing this. I don't think I need to be breaking any records to, <laughs> you know, actually going out and um, competing with the best. So, yeah, I'm kind of very humbled to think I can do it. <laughs> Look, let's face it, barrel racing is no trail ride. It's fast-paced, sharp turns. You've got to have core strength, girl. Like you you must have, and that must have been a part of your, I guess, rehab and therapy was developing that core strength to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I really, I still don't really know how how that I can do because sometimes I sit on a bed and brushing my hair or something like I still I don't you know I've I'm I'm lucky enough to be you know a lower spinal cord injury but yeah still you know it's um I, I still don't know how how I can go that fast and turn the drums and and do it because yeah like sometimes sitting on the end of the bed like I'll lose my balance so I think you know riding beforehand and, you know being so competitive and, and that is probably a something that, you know, has carried on through to my, you know, riding as a paraplegic now, you know. Yeah, so, the drive. Yeah. So once you're on there, you're you're focused on, you know, getting across that line and the adrenaline kicks in and, and the will to want to do it, I guess, helps you get across that line. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, um, I sort of, I mean, I can't do it without, you know, my husband and family helping me, but um, I'm very grateful to be doing it. Yep. Why barrel racing? Well, I, I kind of, um, well, like we were in the sporting and, you know, barrel racing and, and that were my kids. And um, I, you know, I did have an old, like a, a board of thoroughbred I was going to train up and do a bit of barrel racing with, you know, even before my accident. Mm. Something that I I love doing. Um, I I think controlling one end animal is a bit easier than you know something like camp drafting where you've got you know two, two animals to sort of control. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean it's probably you know I think it's the safest fast sport I could could do. Um, so yeah, that's I mean there's always dressage and, and Paralympics and that, but uh, yeah, I've always been into the you know barrel racing and fast equine kind of sport. So, yeah. Christy, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that you're probably not the most patient person. Am I right? No, no, I haven't been. But, I mean, this <laughs> injury has <laughs> has taught me to be patient because, um, yeah, from early days I've just thought I've got to be more patient and, you know, let things happen. And, um, yeah, it's just something that you you've got to, grit and bear it, you know, and try and be patient because <laughs> trying to get things done and, and, yeah, having to rely on others, you've just got to, you know, um, let it sort of slide and let things happen. So, yeah. And some days that might just be the battle you face is is to try and be patient. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I am not a patient person, so and that's why I sort of thought, hang on, she was a jockey and now it's barrel racing. It's that fast-paced sport. I'm guessing that you are just not a patient girl and your will and want is a big drive. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love it and I sort of, yeah, I do pinch myself to think that I can do it and, you know, and be competitive at it. Like even if I I wasn't competitive and, you know, I just can it around, I mean, I think it would have been enough because I can go for a ride up the road on my by myself and, you know, um, you know, go for a ride down in my paddocks and, you know, not have to have anyone with me. So, you know, that really is enough for me because, you know, I just love love horses and love riding, but to think that I can barrel race and, and you know, compete and, and do all that is, yeah, it's just icing on the cake. Can you describe the feeling for me when you're out there racing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like it, it kind of is a feeling of back before my accident. Like I am just any any person, like I'm not disabled because, you know, it, I think that's a big part of it too. Like I'm, you know, I'm just like anyone else on the horse. So, you know, that's the feeling I get. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like anyone, like I'm not disabled. So that's basically what, you know, feeling I get, you know, I, when I'm riding, like I can, you know, there's no different, you know, I'm strapped in, my seatbelt has to be firm. I can't have any movement or I do, I do, um, you know, I'm in a bit of trouble, but, you know, as long as my seatbelt's firm and, and that, like I'm, you know, I'm not disabled. Do you find, Christy, that your disability does label you? Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, if you let it, it will. But I, you know, I try not to focus on that. Um, I just go out and, um, and and give it, give it, give it the best I can, you know. Yeah, good on you. So, not all that long after your accident, you fell pregnant with your son Nash. You you mentioned that earlier. Did motherhood make your recovery harder or easier? Um, well, I think you know. I mean, he's just been a blessing. He's been a good baby. He's, um, you know, he's been really easy for me. So I've, I th- I'm thankful for that. Like Mum said that, you know, I was a terrible baby. So you know, I got lucky with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, he's been a blessing. And I mean, thinking back, I, I can't think of many things that were difficult with him. Um, my, I used to live next door to my mum, and she'd come over and give me a hand and that, but. Yeah, he's he's been a blessing and, yeah, he's been a really easy kid to, to have, so we're very lucky. Yeah, that's that's good. So do you train every day or or not? Um, well, I do have, like, you know, um, not having any feeling and that. I do have, you know, trouble with my skin and, and bottom from riding and, and getting rubs on my bottom, so... If I rode every day, it probably wouldn't, you know, health-wise, it wouldn't be real good for me, but my horse doesn't need, um, you know, a lot of work, so I can tick him over and that in between competitions and, you know, give him a couple of rides a week. Um, so that's basically, you know, what I do with him. And, yeah, I try and, and, and then try and, yeah, um, walk with my leg braces, you know, three or four times a week. So that's basically my therapy and they're both good things to do, you know, get up off my... I get up on my legs and, um, yeah, and then and therapy of riding. Ten years on from your accident, do you look back and think, 
Wow. I can't believe we're 10 years down the track and I'm where I am. Oh, definitely. Um, It it feels like a lifetime I've been living like this. Um, You know, memories of me riding and that are very faint, but, um, yeah, it does really feel like a lifetime. It hasn't been easy, but, you know, you you just got to keep, you know, trucking through. So, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, one goal at a time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, a little boy, he he's a little bit mad on bull riding and, and all that, so we've got, you know, we've got a little arena set up at home and, he, and a few little mini bulls he practices on. So, yeah, that keeps he keeps us busy and we just, um, you know, try and, you know, live life the best you can. Don't you find kids are just beautifully innocent? They see the world for what it is and some days they're just so refreshing in their outlook is refreshing. Yeah, definitely. They're, you know, they're innocent and um, they're, yeah, just beautiful. Yep. So what's the next goal, Christy? What are you working towards? Yeah, I kind of, um, pretty happy where I'm at at the moment. Like, I, I love my data racing and, and that. And, you know, I suppose um, I, I can see a cure for the spinal cord in the future. Um, I mean, I don't think I'll be around playing soccer or anything but you know I really do think they, there will be improvements and you know from the day I was injured and they said you know you're never going to improve from what you are like to think that there will be um, medical advances that will have you improve I think I know that's 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 a huge goal you know I don't think it's 50 years down the track I think you know we're looking in the next 10 years I think there's going to be great improvements for the spinal cord and you know and it, when you do have a spinal cord injury in the future, I don't think it's going to be as life-changing as it is um, now. So, yeah. yeah. You were told you will never walk again to you came home and you did some Googling and you thought, I want to learn how to walk in braces. So you started doing that. You then hopped back on a horse and now you're barrel racing and kicking all sorts of goals. It must feel really good. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I mean, the horses and, and that give me so much purpose, you know. I, you know, I've got to get out of bed and I've got to go and feed them, you know. <laughs> um, they are my life, you know, so they're the best thing that, you know, or that and my son are the best things, you know, that I can have in my life, you know. Um, so, yeah, feeling feeling very grateful. Mm. Let's face it, there are days where, you know, none of us want to get out of bed. It's It just seems all a bit too hard. And, and to have those things around us, they, they really make us get up and face the day. Yeah, definitely. Yep. <laughs> so what do you see in your future? Yeah, well, um, you know, I hope to keep on riding. And um, I don't know if I'll ever get another horse like Bob, but, you know, if I could, you know, that would be my next goal to try and replace him, which is going to be really hard to do. But, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you never know what's around the, around the corner. Yeah. How old is Bob? Uh, he's 14. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's, yeah, still running as good as ever. So, you know, I don't have to replace him yet, but, um, yeah. Christy, I read an interesting quote on your Instagram about life being amazing one minute, then awful the next, and in between it's mundane, but then amazing again, and it struck me as being so obvious, but so profound. Is that how you get through the hard times? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I really love that quote. Like, um, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's how everyone's life is, you know. Um, Yeah, you just got to get through it, you know, the hard times, and then in the good times, you know, appreciate it, you know. 
Yeah. yeah. Christy, I'm not going to sit here and say I know what you're going through because I don't and no one would. It's your journey and it's been your obstacle to overcome and each day will be a battle of its own of some degree and I just, I take my hat off to your drive and to your will and I applaud you for getting out and just giving the next day a crack. Yep, no, thanks very much. Um, Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. That's all right. I I hope that somewhere along the line, someone may listen to this and and take something from it. You know, it is an inspiration, whether you like to be called an inspiration or not. A lot of people will find it to be an inspiration and it's nothing to bat an eyelid at. And we thank you for joining us today. No worries. Um, Thank you. Thank you to our episode sponsor, Ringers Western. I'm Caitlin Hewitt, the founder and co-host of From the Saddle. I started this podcast a year and a half ago because I knew important stories from rural Australia weren't being told. We hear stories of triumph and tenacity, heartache and loss from rodeo riders, outback ringers, cattle traders, bronze sculptors and more. From the Saddle is an independent podcast. It's just us telling stories that matter to our community and we are so stoked that nearly 100,000 people have joined us for the ride. We're looking for partners this season to help tell these stories because we think they're worthy of being told. They're a part of our history and possibly our future. If you're interested, we'd love to hear from you.